Well, good morning, welcome. Nice to see you. Great to be here. Bit of a dull day today, so um, the lighting doesn't work so well in here on a dull day, does it really? But um, with the soft lighting works well when it's dark, and the other lighting works well when the sun's shining. This in between, we haven't quite got that right. So any suggestions would be really welcome. We'd look forward to your advice on that. Anyway, I want to just share some thoughts with you this morning um, uh, based on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, that's the, the, the kind of series we're doing at the moment. We're looking at this, this thought that things could be better. Things could be better. And so I want to share on that theme this morning. A few weeks ago, three weeks ago, I talked about um, how could we be more resilient in God. And some of what I want to do today is to build, up on, uh, build a little bit upon some of those things that we shared that day when we talked about what is it that we can do as we journey through life to gain a resilience for all the things that we come up against. And it may be today that we'll have an opportunity too towards the end of the meeting just to support one another in prayer. I'd like to make a bit of space for that. That's not compulsory, not obligatory, but if you feel this morning that you uh, that something um, arises that you'd like um, some prayer for, then we'd love to make some space for that um, a bit later on. Let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit wants to do among us this morning. Father, that's literally my prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, now. We welcome you as we welcome one another and ask you now, Lord, to come through this period of time that we share together now where we think and discuss and consider different matters that you might open our hearts to you and come and minister to each one of us, Father God, as is your will and as is our need. We're completely stuck without you, Father God, so we invite you in today. Amen. So the Sermon on the Mount is, is, is kind of a unique, um, it's, it's kind of unique to Matthew's Gospel um, because um, he um, places all of Jesus' major teachings in one kind of discourse, the Sermon on the Mount, this wonderful raft of teaching, all in one flow, the majority of what Jesus had to say. Now, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, contains much the same kind of material, but it's spread throughout his book in a different way. And we need to think about why is that? Well, I think Matthew's placing, my view would be, and I'd love to know your views on this, but I think Matthew is placing Jesus alongside Moses in the same way. Moses came down from Mount Sinai um, with the law. Jesus' sermon on a mountain is a new kind of way, fundamental to our life. Just think about that for a moment. Matthew's making a point here. The kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew refers to it, talks about a new kind of upside-down world where things can be better. It's where the poor are blessed. This kingdom doesn't fight its enemies. It forgives them. So our focus at the moment is the Beatitudes for these first couple of weeks into this series. Um, and of course the Beatitudes are a short list of things that challenge accepted values, things that turn things upside down. And it's important not to skip over the Beatitudes when we're considering this great sermon that Jesus gave. 
Because what we're saying in here is that when difficult times come, and difficult times will come, there can be rejoicing. And there will be rejoicing. Okay? Not because of what's happening here on earth, but because of what is happening in the kingdom of heaven. Really important to get our thoughts around that. Things can be better. Now, Jim explained last week that, that Jesus here is speaking in and from the kingdom. He's saying, in a sense, things are better here, okay, already. This is an invitation. So this sermon is delivered in that context that Jesus is saying, here is the kingdom. I am the kingdom. This is the kingdom. This is an invitation. Now Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, and if you like, that was a blueprint um, for a better way of life. What he's saying is that if we follow God's instructions, then this will bring blessing to us, and it will sustain us as a group of people as we head out on this journey to find the place, the new land that God has promised us. So there needs to be some order here, and God has given us something here to get hold of to lead us on that journey. So perhaps in the same way, Matthew's telling us that Jesus is setting a new destination for us around the kingdom of God. Jesus has come to fulfill the law, of course. He makes that point very clearly. But he's come to give us access to a better way of life. Here's real life for us, he's saying. And it's upside down to what you really understand. And what is more, it's a gift. It's a better way of life, a real gift for us with, every, with new destinations, new journeys for every one of us that we can enter into and take. So we can see, I can see you, you can see me, we can touch, we can smell, um, and hopefully we all smell nice this morning. We can experience all that there is around us. But at the same time, there is also the kingdom of heaven. As Matthew describes it, where is the kingdom of heaven? Here. All around us. It's the same place, but we can't see it in the same way. <laughs> but it's just a doorway. Perhaps I think about the doorway in the wardrobe um, referred to in the Chronicles of Narnia. Just a doorway away. So what the Beatitudes is doing is describing what it could be like for us if we take that route, if we step through that door. And of course, we, many of us here, probably all of us, already done that. But it's worth just reflecting on what this means. Because if you said yes to Jesus, then you have access to the kingdom of heaven. Because actually the truth is, and there is no other way of saying this, the truth is, and it's hard for some people to hear, but Jesus is the only way. So we can settle for um, a life of fearing God, and many of us do that, have a life of, of fearing God and of attempting to live up to the kind of standards that we think God has set for us. We can have that kind of life if we want it. We can actually spend our time judging other people by how far they fall short of the 
of, of, of what we think God expects of them. If we choose, we can do that. But if we say yes to Jesus, then we open up a whole new world and a whole new direction for us. You know this stuff, but perhaps sometimes I feel my role is to remind myself because I need reminding of this stuff and I'm kind of arrogant enough to assume that I wouldn't be the only one that sometimes need to be reminded of some of these very fundamental but important things that we believe and have to believe. So as I said earlier, I spoke three weeks about resilience. And at that time, I think I said I was facing some, 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 some challenges. And I was aware that many of us here in Connect and the wider part of Connect were facing some challenges. And that's why I felt that a word around resilience might be a word in season for us. And I think that's right. And I think what was true then is true now. Um, and I wanted to discuss and want to continue discussing. It's important that we do that questions about how we can be more resilient in God. And so part of what I want to do today is to continue that conversation. We need to talk about it and be open about how we live through the ups and downs of life and what difference does our faith really mean and make for us. How does our faith, how does our faith help us keep real in practical ways to become resilient to the kind of threats that we face and the pressures that we face every single living day. Now, when I spoke that message um, about three weeks ago, little did I know that a few days later, my metal would be really tested. Um, and I'm aware, too, that that's not just me, that a number of people have had quite a few challenges in the last week or two. And we see them all the time here. You come to work in the morning, and sometimes it's a catalogue of, of just just stuff that people are wrestling with and it happens it's life you know um, and all of us can face moments of unexpected pressure all of us can face moments of bad news all of us can expect sometimes to receive or be on the receiving end of sudden loss and pain so I think it's timely um, that, that, that we've, as a team here, felt that it would be good to look at the Beatitudes and these verses in particular. And I hope and pray that God, God will bless us this morning as we think about some of these things. And the text that I've come to today um, is the second one. Jim's dealt with a couple. And the one that I'm going to deal with this morning is Beatitude number two, which says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted how can someone who is mourning feel blessed that's a really interesting question I don't know that I can answer that but I'm going to try and share a few thoughts around that this morning because this has been the experience in my life somehow or another we'd all experienced loss so this verse is important to us. Loss, loss. when you think about it, just think about it at the moment, because everything that is around us is, 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 is falling away. <laughs> okay. Loss is woven into the very fabric of the way that uh, the earth exists. It can be caused by redundancy, retirement, death, theft, rejection, ill health, betrayal, loss of um, 
species in terms of extinction and the things that's going on around us and so on and so forth. Lifestyles completely changed um, through um, natural effects in the world. All of these things bring us into facing loss. And what Jesus is telling us here is that grief is a proper and ultimately a healing response to loss. Yet I think, and I may be wrong on this, but I think we've lost many of the rituals um, that help people to acknowledge the sense of dislocation as we face loss in our world. I think sometimes we try and fast forward the process and I think there are so many offerings of substitutes that are in place to help us deal with grief and loss that we sometimes take that route. But it's not God's route. Blessed are those who mourn because they shall be comforted. I just picked just a random selection of psalms because the psalms are a good place to go. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Think about that. Psalm 147. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Isn't that lovely? What a picture. Imagine Jesus just alongside you, wrapping bandages on your wounds. Just think about that for a minute. It's a beautiful picture to me. Psalm 73, my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength in my heart because he is mine forever. And then John talks about this. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, but also trust in Jesus. Joshua This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Whether that's in the depths of despair and searing loss or the heights of joy. For the word of God is alive and powerful. So, the issue for some of us is, and I will put my hand up to this, is that sometimes we can um, disconnect or try to disconnect from loss by endless activity as a means of, what's the word, of anesthetizing ourselves. Need a drink, that's a dry word. Okay. Do you follow me? And of course, many of the situations we face here in our day-to-day work and day-to-day life is saying to people, actually, you're suffering loss, my friend. Don't try and anesthetize it by taking that route. Because Jesus is the way. Now, it's quite normal to um, be numbed by sadness. I don't suppose there's anyone in this room who hasn't been numbed by sadness and grief and loss. But we need to understand that feeling numb is really normal. (laughs) It's not something we have to panic about or rush to heal or to treat or to anesthetize. The numbness, and if you've ever felt that, you know what that's like, suddenly is a terrible feeling. But the answer is not to panic. Because as a process, you know, and you'll understand this, as a process of 
grief that the Lord leads us through. And these are stages, and people go through these stages without understanding sometimes this is exactly the way of the Spirit, okay? So those stages start with sadness. They can be um, influenced by anger, feelings of guilt, feelings of completely disorientation, being completely disorientated, and then even feelings of, 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 of depression and utter hopelessness. It's a white-knuckle ride. <laughs> but ride it, because it's God's way to healing. It's the process. Blessed are those who mourn, because God will comfort us through these stages. It's much better to go through that than try and numb the pain by choosing some other route. Allow God to comfort us. Now, part of the problem is, is that sometimes we don't recognize that we're grieving. Sometimes we don't pin how we're feeling in life to the loss that we've suffered. Sometimes we don't even necessarily recognize the loss, because loss comes in so many different forms. There's obvious things, like if you lose somebody that you love very dearly, it's loss, and you're numb. Gosh, you're numb. Goodness me, you're numb when you lose somebody. But there's all sorts of other there's all sorts of other things that happen. I'll tell you a story. It's a true story. I've asked this a friend of mine for permission to tell you this, and he said I can. But I, and he also said I could, could could tell you his name. Some of you may know him, some of you may not. So I'm not going to mention his name. But a friend of mine some years ago, well, he became a friend some years ago through journeying, uh, coming here and, and, and meeting up here through our work and some of the work we do. And I got to, got, got to meet this guy. And at the time, he was, he, he was in a place of, um, he said to me, I am in utter despair. I think he used the term, I'm completely at the end of my rope. I don't know what to do, which way to go, which way to turn. I know the Lord, but I don't even feel that the Lord is helping me here. So a friendship between us developed, and I began to to just spend some time with him and talk these things through and explore these things. And of course, as I got to know him, what I discovered that, that a couple of years previously, over the space of 12 months, he suffered the pain of searing loss. Because during that period, first of all, his wife left him, and he was left at home with the teenage children. This led to him losing his job, this led to him losing his house. And this led to his children not wanting to speak to him. All over a period of 12 months. It's a Job-like story, really. And he said, I'm done. What is more, he said, I'm absolutely racked with pain. All of his joints and, and um, muscles were very, very sore. He said, like, I've got this massive arthritis that's come on out of nowhere. And I don't know where this has come from. He said, I'm depressed. And is that making me ill? And I said to him, no, you're not depressed. You're grieving. And you need to deal with the loss. And if you could deal with the loss, 
then things will begin to make some sense again. And he didn't see at that moment, because of all the pain, that he was actually hadn't attributed that 12 months as being lost in his life. Didn't think of that at all. He had all sorts of other emotions and feelings around that. Anger, guilt, of course. Anger, guilt. And so on and so forth. But he didn't attribute it to loss. He'd been through some of those things. So I said to him, blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So the answer here is to say yes to Jesus, whatever that means for you. Say yes to Jesus and go on that journey with him, which he started to do. And the Lord um, spoke to him. And, and I said to him, just start to read scripture. And you know, God is just so amazing. God took him to a scripture, which didn't mean much to me, but it meant much to him. And he reminded me of this the other day. And it's in Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Now something in that scripture hit him, and he thought, if I could just meditate on the word of God then maybe it will reach my joints and marrows and maybe this pain will go. And that was his starting point. So he'd committed that day to read that scripture every day and to read two, other, two or three other verses each day and to read those over and over again for a few days then to move on to the next thing, but always resorting to that scripture. One day we met up for coffee and he was looking a lot better and I said to him, we were walking back to my car, and I, and I looked at him and I said, you look taller. Because <laughs> he did to me, you know, I'm standing next to him, he's about my height, but I suddenly thought, you look taller. He said, I am taller. He said, do you know what? I've got no pain. All of my joints are completely gone. And he felt a real healing had come over him. But not only that, um, he'd come the other side of his loss. During that process, God had healed him, comforted him as he mourned. And happily now, he's on a completely different trajectory in life, and he's got a new job and a new home and new friends, and, and life is completely different. Because he went through the process of allowing the Lord to take charge of that situation. So I'm conscious of time here. So think that through. He decided intentionally to focus on the word of God. That pain of searing loss turned into physical pain, which could only really be dealt with in one way. That would be my view. There's another aspect to this verse, which I mentioned just very briefly because I need time is, is cracking on. But there's also in this verse, it's talking about us when we get things wrong. Have you ever got anything wrong? <laughs> Have you ever felt, I've really hurt somebody? Have my actions caused trouble and pain and difficulty? Have I been the victim of that? Somebody else has really messed up, and as a result of their actions, I'm really going through it. I'm the victim of somebody else's difficulty. Somebody's taken a bad choice, made a wrong decision, and that's caused consequences for me or my family. Or I've done that, and it's caused consequences for others. Now, there's something in this verse that relates to this. Because if I've harmed somebody else, 
then I should feel sorrowful about that. And I need to mourn that. And it's going to be a lot easier for me in forgiving somebody else if I know the person that's harmed me is also experiencing some kind of godly sorrow. Because sometimes godly sorrow is the lead-in to repentance. And godly sorrow is the thing that leads us into forgiveness. Sometimes when we've harmed somebody or we've made a mistake and done things wrong, we can live in denial. So we deal with those feelings by denying them. Or um, we deal with those feelings by um, being arrogant about it and say that I don't need to apologize and I can harden my heart to the pain or the difficulty that I've caused. And then that creates a place for which I can then live. But it's not God's way. God's way is that, is that when we've messed up, we need to be sorry and we need to be, and that's part of a mourning and a grieving process. And when we're the victims of somebody else's, when we suffered loss as a result of somebody else's actions, it's exactly the same process. We have to go through that grief to let that sorrow come and to forgive and to God, allow God to heal. It's much harder that way. But as we said the other day, in this process, we must not forget all of God's benefits. I went through a list of what I thought were God's benefits were, and I'll list them for you again. In this process, as we go through this, we must never, ever, ever forget God's benefits. What are God's benefits? Forgiveness. What are God's benefits? Healing. What are God's benefits? Redemption. What are God's benefits? Restoration. What are God's benefits? Love. What are God's benefits? Compassion. What are God's benefits? Provision. What are God's benefits? Renewal of strength. Forget not those things. Because that will lead us through having to make those difficult decisions to forgive somebody else or to be able to deal with the consequences of our own mistakes and errors. It's the same process. Blessed are those who... Um, mourn for they shall be comforted and they shall be forgiven where forgiveness is due so if we live in godly godly sorrow and sometimes we do need to live in godly sorrow and fess up and then we go through a process by which he will restore us and he will then restore the people around us that have been harmed as a result of our consequences he'll do that anyway It's much harder when we've been the victim of somebody else's actions, but this process that we need to go through of accepting where we're at, seeing it as sorrowful, mourning, and healing, um, it will always end in blessing. Blessed are those who do this. Blessed are those who do this. I need to remind myself of that because sometimes I'm not so good at it. So today, just briefly, let me sum up. Let's ask ourselves some, some, some questions, some honest questions. I'll ask myself some, you ask yourself some. What is it that I've lost? What is it that I might be fearful of losing? What is it that troubles me about something that I feel I might have got wrong? What are those things? Maybe none. But in your mind's eye, focus on them just now. 
And we'll ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us here. See, the kingdom of heaven is just a door away. It's already here. And all we need to do is to take all of that stuff through the door with us, all our feelings, and to go on to a new journey and enter into a new journey with Jesus. All that loss, all that pain, all of that stuff, just take it with us through the door to Jesus. And there's only one way to do that, and the way to do that is to say yes to Jesus. I don't know how any of us in this room sit or stand today. It may be that you have said yes to Jesus, and praise God that you have, and if you have, you'll, you'll have experienced some of the things that I'm talking about. It won't be new to you. It might be that actually you've been journeying in faith or journeying with church for some years, and not actually taken a moment and paused and said yes to Jesus. might be that we did that some time ago, and it's a bit of a distant thing. So this morning, I want to give each one of us an opportunity, me included, to just pause and say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. Yes to the kingdom of God. Yes to this world which is upside down and invitational and new and wonderful. The place where there is no more pain or suffering or tears. This place where uh, that's here now. <laughs> we don't have to wait for it. We just need to say yes for Jesus. So whatever that means for you, whatever is in your basket of, or in your arms of um, sadness and loss, take it to Jesus this morning. Whatever it is we've done or not done, whatever that's been done to us, whatever we've missed out on, all those things that we think we might have but we don't have, all of that loss, wrap it all up and say yes to Jesus. Because blessed are those who mourn because they shall be comforted. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. Anyone know where that's from? It's in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> I remember it. It's one of my memory verses. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. It's a great verse. The very, very essence of our relationship with God, of saying yes to Jesus, is that we're trusting him rather than trusting what he can do for us. We don't put our trust in what he can do for us. We put our trust in him. Really important. It's not about trusting what he can do. I've got great expectations of what God can do in your life, in my life. But I'm not going to put my trust in that. I'm going to put my trust in him. And I know that if I lack trust in God, I will only allow myself to trust something else. And so if I go to something else with my grief and my mourning and all those other losses in my life, then I'm going to be trusting in something that will not last. 
Trust in him. Amen.